This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Reynolds has turned the page to what's next by making it possible for you to retail anywhere. Discover your next chapter at reyrey.com slash me. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash me. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, executive editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show... Lithia knocks AutoNation off its number one sales pedestal, public dealership groups make supply gains, and American Axle returns to profit as headwinds ease up. Plus, electric vehicle registration numbers exploded in 2022 despite supply shortages. We'll dive into what that says about the pace of EV adoption in the U.S. We're going to see that number go up and up and up. Maybe not double every year, but I think we're going to see it go up and up and up until 2030 when, who knows, maybe we'll be at 50% or something. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Lithia was once the smallest publicly traded dealership group. Now, after embarking on a multi-year dealership buying spree, it sits at the top of the heap. Lithia surpassed AutoNation in new vehicles sold in 2022. It sold more than 270,000 new cars and trucks. That's 40,000 more than AutoNation, which saw a 12% drop in sales last year. AutoNation had held the top spot since 1997. Both companies finished the year on the upswing. Lithia's fourth quarter sales were up 5.2%, while AutoNation's rose 4.3%. One factor that has helped Lithia lately is its ability to stay ahead of the pack in new vehicle inventory. Its new vehicle supply rose to 47 days at the end of December. That's an improvement from 39 at the end of September and 24 at the end of 2021. Supplies also started improving for the rest of the publicly traded dealership groups in the fourth quarter. They all reported meaningful gains in inventory, particularly for domestic brand vehicles. But they also noted in fourth quarter earnings calls over the last few weeks that luxury and import brand vehicles continue to be in dramatically short supply. AutoNation reported a 19-day supply at the end of December. That's up from nine days a year earlier. Asbury's supply stood at 26 days, Sonic at 24, Group 1 at 21, and Penske at 18 days. Despite headwinds for U.S. auto suppliers, American Axle returned to profitability in the fourth quarter. Net income swung to almost $14 million. That's after a loss of more than $46 million during the same quarter in 2021. That loss was exacerbated by a one-time $42 million pension settlement charge. In the fourth quarter of 2022, despite continued supply chain volatility, revenue jumped 12% to almost $1.4 billion. Full-year revenue rose the same percentage to nearly $6 billion, which the supplier attributes to its acquisition of Tech4 Group in the first half of 2022 and to production growth. And the auto industry has lost two prominent figures. Former GM North America President Gary Cowger died on Friday at his home in Dallas. He repaired the automaker's relationship with the UAW after a crippling strike and mentored future CEO Mary Barra. Calgary's former secretary, Judy DeMars, tells Automotive News that he had battled cancer for two years before his death. He was 75. And Billy Joe Red McCombs, who built his Texas dealership empire from a pair of used car stores in Corpus Christi, died on Sunday at age 95. McCombs' business enterprises span from real estate to ranching, professional sports to energy. 
but it was his start in automotive retail that launched what would become McCombs Enterprises, the umbrella company serving all of his businesses, including Clear Channel Communications, now known as iHeartMedia. His dealership group would grow at one time into the sixth largest in the U.S. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, finally some good news for the publicly traded dealership groups. They reported some good gains in the fourth quarter. Should we expect this to last, especially with the lack of luxury and import brand vehicles? Yeah, well, I mean, hey, dealers have been doing pretty well, even with uh, inventory on the on the tight side. But it's a, it's definitely a good sign to see inventory building back up again. And yeah, we should see that continue to improve. You know, Toyota and Honda have had you know big problems meeting demand, and even they will eventually catch up, and that will that will boost the the rest of those uh, import import brands for most of the dealers. Gotcha. Coming up, electric vehicle registration numbers are in for 2022. We'll dig into the data and talk about what that says about EV adoption in the U.S. Next on Daily Drive. Reynolds & Reynolds recently announced a new logo and brand image to better reflect the company it is today and its vision for the future. Hear what Chris Walsh, president of Reynolds & Reynolds, has to say about Reynolds' rebrand and the next chapter. I think, you know, if you look back, it really started, you know, probably two years ago with a new leadership team in place and the decision to kind of look at how we can be a better company and how we can better serve our customers and how we can help them be more successful. But it's really accelerated the last, you know, 12 months. This is a commitment to a new kind of company in my eyes and a new way of kind of cohabitating in the industry, helping our customers be more successful. And, uh, you know, the marketing side of this is, I mean, it's certainly important to help to have a marketing organization that, you know, kind of takes your messages and makes them concise and, and impactful and, and broadcast that to the world. That's certainly a critical part, you know, of what we're doing, but this is not a marketing program. This is, you know, a company-wide initiative you know, to better serve the industry and to, you know, help us get to the next chapter uh, in automotive. Visit rayray.com slash me to learn more about Reynolds' vision for the future and discover your next chapter. That's reyrey.com slash me. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. New EV registrations jumped by more than 50% last year. That's according to new data from Experian, which says EVs now represent 5.6% of the light vehicle market. That's compared with 3.1% in 2021. To help dissect these trends, I spoke with our own Lawrence Iliff, who wrote about the data on the front page of this week's edition of Automotive News. I reached him in Northern California. Lonnie Iliff, welcome back to Daily Drive. It's great to be here. You know, we're digging in on the 2022 full year new vehicle registrations. It takes a little longer for all that data to be processed, but it gives us the chance to really see the market more clearly. In particular, Tesla's share of the market. Since the EV company reports sales only quarterly and only on a global basis, new vehicle registrations, ours are compiled by Experian, allows for a more apples to apples comparison. And it gives us a better look at the EV market overall, because uh, even automakers that report monthly don't always break out how many EVs they sold. The Korean brands still have some models that are sold as EVs, plug-in hybrids and regular hybrids. So let's get to it. Even in a year when overall new vehicle registrations, sort of the proxy for sales, you know, fell by 11%, EVs rose 57%, reaching 5.6% of the market, up from 3.1%. Lonnie, what happened? Well, I think, you know, part of this is, uh, you know, the thesis that 
people do want electric cars, right? People are ready for them. They're ready to move from the early adopter phase, you know, over a period of time to the majority adopter phase. And so, you know, there's there's a lot of demand out there. So whoever can soak up that demand, Tesla in this case, and, you know, Ford, some other brands can gain market share. And, you know, the numbers would probably be even higher if there was greater supply of vehicles. A lot of people are on waiting lists for for Mach-E's, for Lightning's, you know, that may be a waiting list that's, you know, more than a year or whatever, for Rivian's, for Lucid's, you know, maybe less for the ID4's and some other models, but, you know, people are still waiting for their EVs. And so I think that we're going to see that number go up and up and up, maybe not double every year. Um, There's still supply chain issues, but I think we're going to see it, you know, go up and up and up until 2030 when, who knows, maybe we'll be at 50% or something. So a big lever of this year's uh, growth in the overall market was really Tesla ramping up their Texas factory, right? Getting more Model Ys out into the market. Definitely. And and also, you know, California, it's really amazing what they've done there with that Numi factory, you know, that went back to the Toyota GM partnership and those guys abandoned it. And, and you know, Tesla's now... You know, we can guess they're, you know, 450,000, 460,000 if, you know, they sold about 490 in the U.S. They don't export much, some S's and X's, but not really. And so that's amazing. And then um, I think last year, Elon Musk, the CEO, talked about 2,000 a week coming out of um, Texas, right? And then um, more recently, he's talked about 3,000 a week. And so, you know, that's going to ramp up to 250 and then obviously they're going to want to go to 500 and eventually a million. And so, yeah, they have the production, right? They started a long time ago. They've had a lot of rough patches and they still have a lot of, um, you know, quality problems. But, you know, from what I've seen, people uh, tearing them down on YouTube and stuff like that, not full teardowns, but you know what I mean, taking a, a very close look at them, they've been getting a lot better. And so, they have the production and they have the pricing power too. We've seen now. So they are in, you know, the position to be able to soak up as much of the market kind of as they want to, obviously with production restraints. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fascinating, you know, with so many new entrants and the fast growth of the market, the proliferation within the market, especially in really key segments like compact crossovers and full-size pickups, you know, Tesla... Their share of the EV market slipped, you know, from to 64% from 71%, but their share of the total market rose to 3.6% from 2.2%. I mean, nobody gains a point of share in a year. That's just crazy. Yeah. And it's really interesting because obviously there's a really interesting thesis also in the Tesla community that Tesla's not competing for the EV market. Tesla's competing against ICE vehicles. In other words, Tesla's kind of so mature and they kind of have so much production capacity. It doesn't matter if a bunch of Mach-E's are sold or a bunch of Lightnings or whatever. They can go after the luxury market and they're even pushing down. I saw an article today that said that Tesla Model 3 with the 7,500 federal tax break and the $2,000 California tax break is, you know, a $31,000, $32,000 car. I'm not sure if their math was was perfect on that, but it. But let's say $33,000, $34,000. I mean, that's, you know, a loaded Honda Civic. That's, you know, pushing down, right? And so Tesla has a lot of conquest to come. Yeah, more growth to come as they get 
get that Texas plant uh, fully up to speed. The Cybertruck models coming. You know, yeah. I mean, whatever people's opinions may be about the Cybertruck or whatever, there's definitely lots and lots of people waiting to get their hands on one. <laughs> a lot of interest, yes. So let's talk a little about the rest of the pack. I mean, it's still early innings, right? And uh, there's a lot more to come as the segment evolves. Battery costs need to come down and range and charging need to improve. But the Mustang Mach-E had a very good year, was the only EV made by anybody that uh, that outsold any Tesla model. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, Ford has really jumped into the space, right? With the Mustang Mach-E, you know, it's been around for a couple of years. So they're they're getting their production up. Uh, they're getting out the, the kinks, you know, they did have a recall last year. And so they have that as kind of the bread and butter vehicle. And then they have the, the Lightning, right? Which is just going to sell, you know, a lot. You know, I've been seeing a lot on social media and stuff that there's already a lot of fleets using them. And so, I mean, demand for that vehicle could go on for, you know, a long time. The other makers, you know, the Koreans were doing really well and they still are doing relatively well, you know, but they did kind of get their knees cut off a little bit with the losing the tax rebate. And I just saw, cause I, I got a personal email from Hyundai saying that they're building the $7,500 uh, federal tax uh, credit into leases, right? But that's complicated. A lot of people don't want to lease cars because- you know, the financials and the math or whatever, they're, they're not comfortable doing it. But if that's the way to get the 7,500, that's a good competitive move. Sure. And, you know, you can lease a car and then you can, you know, buy it out later. At least with Hyundai, you can. With Tesla, you can't because they want to resell them. And, uh, you know, I think Volkswagen is kind of, you know, they had to import them from Germany and they had to spread the love around with the ID4. And now they have the Chattanooga plant. So maybe we'll see a little more out of them. But, you know, I remember just a couple of years ago when people were saying there's going to be 50 EV models that aren't Teslas and, you know, Tesla's really going to lose market share and we're going to have, you know, this and this and $30,000 Equinox and all that. And even if you look at the analyst numbers, you know, Edmund said that Tesla would be below 50% market share right now, uh, which means everybody else would be above 50% market share. And obviously that didn't happen. And it's just taking these guys a long time to get their vehicles out. And you know, Edmonds said that, you know, they're being careful. They don't want too many recalls. They don't want too much trouble. And so, you know, it's just slower than I think a lot of people expected, even industry experts. Yeah. At this pace, it's going to take two more years to get Tesla under 50% EV market share. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, I've seen some estimates to say, oh yeah, Tesla will be down to, you know, 20, 25% in, you know, 2025. Well, that's not very far away. So, right. uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> yep. So let's go ahead and take a shot at California. You know, if we slice up the EV market by nationality, like a pie chart, you know, it skews to U.S. companies in large part because of Tesla's massive head start, but also because Toyota is really not in the game and there's such a major player in the rest of, of the market. And, you know, Honda, too, to a lesser extent, the, the Toyota Tesla thing is kind of playing out in your home state in a curious way. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, you know, obviously, California has set trends in the automotive industry, especially when it comes to zero emissions and other states now follow it. But what's interesting is that, you know, Toyota's market share has always been extremely strong in California, you know, hybrids and inexpensive cars that are reliable. And so there's a big Toyota culture here, right? But Tesla is really innovating and 
They've gone from fifth place to second place in one year. They have 11% of the market. Toyota's come down a couple points to 17% of the market. I think people I talk to like all the time are like, why doesn't Toyota have an EV? A lot of loyal Toyota buyers want to stay with the brand and they want an EV, but Toyota doesn't have any EVs. And I mean, they have one, but it's not selling very well and it's in limited supply and it doesn't get the tax credit. And it doesn't seem like they really put all of their effort into it. I mean, they're repositioning themselves and stuff, but it's it's really amazing how, you know, Tesla is stealing kind of that flag from Toyota as being the innovators, as being zero emissions, as being environmentally friendly. And I think a lot of Toyota buyers and even, you know, uh, surveys have shown this. The S&P Global said that, you know, t- Toyota and Honda were losing buyers to Tesla because they have this image of being, you know, the leader when it comes to environmentally friendly cars. They had been, yeah. And now they don't have EVs, so they look like they're out of step. Right, absolutely. Before I let you go, I want to make sure we uh, take a look at the luxury numbers, just total dominance. Yeah, you know, it's always been, when I've been talking to people about EVs in the early days, right, before they were big, everybody was like, EVs are the perfect luxury car, right? They're fast, they're quiet, you know, noise vibration and harshness and you know luxury makes have always you know put massive amounts of money and engineering to make their cars quieter and smoother and stuff and an ev just starts out that way even a cheap ev starts out that way and so i think there's a lot of uh you know logic when it comes to the luxury market and you know tesla is you know more than a hundred thousand you know bmw last year for the crown and BMW and these other companies, they are coming out with EVs. They're good EVs, but it's the same story we just talked about. They're so late and the numbers are so small that, you know, people are just going to buy, those buyers are just going to keep buying Teslas until there's, you know, alternatives and supply and those things that are also happening in the mainstream market. Yeah, it's um, it's just amazing. I mean, Tesla, like you said, they they beat BMW by I think it's one hundred fifty six thousand. Tesla's sales gain in twenty twenty two was one hundred forty two thousand. That's more than all but four other luxury brands. They grew by more than Cadillac in one right, year. Right, right. <laughs> like, it's just not even uh, not even close. No, I mean, and you know, for luxury buyers, my you know, my sister has a Model X, and for luxury buyers, she literally said, you know, I wanted to look, you know, a Mercedes or BMW, or you know, I wasn't necessarily going to buy a Tesla, but it was the only option. And you know, if you want a really cool EV that you can just you know go on the order form and get one within a reasonable period of time, or even go into Tesla inventory right now, they have some in inventory. You know, it's the only one. Otherwise, you're like on a waiting list and, you know, the supply just isn't there. And so luxury buyers are going to keep buying Teslas until there's an alternative or greater alternatives and greater supply. Lonnie Iliff, automotive news reporter covering Tesla and other well-capitalized EV companies out of Silicon Valley. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much. You can read more about the surge in EV registrations on the front page of the latest edition of Automotive News or at autonews.com. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Jack Walsworth, Mark Holmer, Paige Hodder, Nick Bunkley, and Lindsey Van Hulley for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on electrification, retail, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. 
If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.